0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to CTF Radio. I'm Adam D, and I have with me the awesome Zardis, as always.
1: Hey, Adam. How's it going?
0: I'm doing good, man. So today we actually have a very special guest on today. We're going to be talking with one of the other Order of the Overflow organizers. So for those, uh, why don't you tell us very briefly about Order of the Overflow, just as context, Jan?
1: Sure. Um, So... Adam and I, uh, love capture the flag. Um, we've been playing capture the flag, uh, competing in capital black competitions. Uh, I mean, we... silly people
0: are listening to us talk about CTF. Exactly. So I hope uh, that comes you know, across. We,
1: we have a, a CTF podcast. Um, and, uh, one of the major CTFs of the year, as everyone knows, is Defcon CTF. Um, Defcon CTF is a giant spectacle and, um, this sort of, uh, uh, event that, that, Determines the the top hackers of the world. Uh, they can they get leather jackets and black badges, and they can walk around feeling very cool. Um, the organizers of DEF CON CTF put in an enormous amounts of effort, and it's very taxing. So um, organizing teams uh, take on four years to five years of, of competition, of organizing the competition, and then they retire and pass the torch. When um, the previous organizers of DEF CON CTF retired, uh, we decided to create the Order of the Overflow. Is our logo? Um, we're all wearing these these shirts. Um, we even have hoodies. It's it's all great stuff. It's not um, a fashion show, so let's. Uh... Exactly. Uh, so we created the Order of the Overflow to uh, take on the torch and host DEF CON CTF.
0: And so roughly who comprises the order if you had to kind of, yeah, without giving individual intros, I'm sure over time, we'll talk to more and more people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the order of door flow includes a lot of uh, people for whom CTF has uh, changed or shaped their life. Um, It includes uh, huge amounts of us professors um, that, got our start in ctf back in um our graduate studies uh usually uh santa barbara um it includes uh, uh, industry experts working in an in industry with the cutting edge of cybersecurity. Uh, it includes uh, and somebody
0: would say industry people who actually know how to deliver software
1: exactly that works uh that's
0: not a research it, prototype
1: it includes uh about 10, 15 people, and you can go to our website, overflow.io, and uh, see our philosophy and 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 the, the team listing and so forth. But it includes a lot of people that just love CTF and love creating um, challenges for the best hackers in the world to tackle.
0: Awesome. Great. So yeah, on that note, thanks for that great introduction, Jan. So we have one of the members of the Order of the Overflow that has been with us since the beginning. I believe. So um, today we have his hacker alias is Captain. Um, so today we're very excited to uh, introduce and to talk to Alexandros Capravelos, uh, Dr. Wait, Adam, Alexandros Capravelos. Captain? Sorry. Captain? Yeah. Ca-
1: ca- Captain?
0: Captain? Are is you trying Unicode to say code? that silly Unicode character in his name yeah. that nobody can say? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what. It's some Greek character that. It's fine. Yeah, it causes problems when Captain. we are in Discord
2: and we have to... <laughs> uh, so, so yes, it's a way not to get pinged on, on Discord for anything. That's Nobody great. can find. You should use that with Captain. email addresses.
0: Just have an email address that has an, a non-Unicode perfect. character in it. Uh, so yes, so uh, Captain is here with us today. So uh, let's uh, give him a round of applause, Jan.
1: Welcome, Alice.
0: Yeah, thanks for joining us today, man. Hey, Adam. Hey, Jen. So, maybe uh, as we can start, maybe you can give a a very brief um, kind of. So, the the goal today is we're going to talk about one of the challenges that you wrote from DEF CON 28 CTF, which happened in 2020, specifically the finals event. Uh, Before we get into that, though, I think people would uh, really enjoy hearing about could you talk a little bit maybe about? Uh, how you first got into CTFs. I think that's like a good starting place. And then we can kind of dive into the Node challenge.
2: Yeah, so I started playing CTFs uh, basically when I started doing my PhD at UC Santa Barbara. So I got involved uh, through Giovanni Vigna's class uh, uh, to play iCTF, uh, which was part of the homework uh, back in the day. Um, and I started playing CDFs then, and then, you know, joined Shellfish and, uh, played for multiple years, uh, with them up to 2015, uh, when I graduated and left, uh, and became a professor.
0: Awesome. So before that, did you have any experience in CTS before you came to UCSB?
2: I played a few of them, but not, you know, very seriously, uh, and they were all very local back to Greece or European ones. Cool. Awesome. That's very cool. Uh, I bet the Unicode characters
1: weren't such a problem there.
0: (laughs) Unicode support, I hear, is much better over there than over here. (laughs) But they have their own set of problems, right? You have to still speak Greek and all that stuff. So there you go. Uh, Cool. So then, yeah, let's dive into this uh, DEFCON 28 final CTF challenge. Node. So I'm going to call it from here on out Node, but just for the people listening, uh, the Order of the Overflow has this, uh, some would say, beautiful commitment to a comedy bit. Others would say this very annoying habit of adding three O's in the place where there should only be one O. So for instance, Node is. What was that, Jan?
1: Some people have no taste.
0: Yeah, see, there you go. (laughs) I I agree. So yeah, we, you know, if you're going to do something, commit to it, right? So we're the OOO and we. Do our best to make that happen so node is stylized with three o's in it and so why don't you take us maybe through um maybe describe first what is the challenge uh node like at a, at a very high level um, what is the the service if you're trying to explain it to someone
2: Right, so uh, the service at the high level was basically a web application where you get a randomized uh, pirate map that uh, you know shows where the treasure is, um, and you can mess up with uh, with some of the configuration on the clients, on the on the server side.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so it's a the, web application, right? I mean, so it's a, it's a web application built on top of uh, Node.js by using and the Hence the name, yeah, and by using the Express uh, module, the, the web framework called Express. Um, the very nice thing about, uh, about this, this, uh, this challenge was that basically you can, um, validate this configuration, uh, from, uh, by making HTTP requests, um, and this way you can, you can exercise some of the functionality on the server side, which can be abused, uh, by the, by the attacker. At awesome. The level.
0: Cool. Great. So normal website what's what's the normal functioning of that that website? So
2: So the the normal functioning was basically to play a little game where you you have uh, the the map is randomized and you have basically to click to find uh, the the correct uh, the correct treasure pretty much. Okay, cool. of so like a, a reverse silly, mind sweeper. Yeah. <laughs> <I do. laughs> yeah.
1: To interject there's uh several philosophies of CTF challenge creation. Um one philosophy mm-hmm. is you uh, start with a cutting edge vulnerability um, and you build a, a a minimal service that is just functional enough to have this vulnerability just to, to truly expose the vulnerability so that it, it it is the thing that the hackers Mm -hmm. playing your game focus on, right. That, that are uh, trying to hack this challenge. Um, The other style is, is you ride this, complex um, uh, challenge around a concept that you want the hackers to explore before they can find the vulnerabilities uh, that's usually used more for um, you know a concept that uh, an organizer likes rather than a vulnerability if you like the vulnerability specifically you tend to write smaller uh, challenges that that exhibit it or the smallest that can exhibit it so that people don't get lost on the way they can just focus immediately
0: or get lost immediately, depending or on where they are. Yeah. yeah. We've all been on each side of that coin exactly. where you're staring at 20 lines of code and being like, why the heck, uh, do I not understand where this bug is? It's exactly. particularly web challenges. I think really hard web challenges
2: are similar in that respect. I think specifically web security challenges actually poses this, this, this great challenge that it's not very clear what you should be looking for when you're trying to to tackle them right so it, it can be very frustrating that you know you look for a couple of hours on a web application and you don't even know where the what the vulnerability could be and i think that's what, one of the most uh, you know uh, devastating thing uh, about when you play cdfs is is to looking at something for hours and not even understanding what this is supposed to be and and with web secu- with some categories in CDFs it's 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 you know, they're inherited into the into the challenges what the attacker should be doing. Like you have to do a portable, you have to do a memory corruption, or you have to gain execution, right? You, the target is very clear. Or with, reverse with
0: engineering, web... I feel like is, is or also a similar the same thing. thing right? You
2: like... need to understand how these things work yeah. in order to, to move forward. With web security, it could be anything, right? So it could be a SQL injection or it could be a command line injection. It could be a web application logic vulnerability or a you know, web server misconfiguration. So you have to start looking into all these, these branches of different decisions that you need to make uh, on how to tackle the challenge, which makes it you know, really difficult from a design perspective how to, 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 to design something like that that doesn't um you know it's not fun for anybody to keep looking for, for something and then find the vulnerability after eight hours and then exploit it in ten minutes, right?
0: Although the flip side of that is the the nice thing that I think I really like about CTFs is that it it does force you to go out and learn new things, right? True. So yeah. you know one of the classic things when you're stuck is to be Googling for uh, the latest Black Hat talks or Defcon talks or whatever about, you know, white papers that people have written about different kinds of vulnerabilities, trying to see. And then it's a very nice exercise to see, okay, <laughs> does like, can I quickly synthesize what this paper is talking about? And does this fit my current problem? And if not, you kind of throw it away and move on. I mean, I've definitely come across that in uh, prior playing prior CTFs, where it was about bypassing JavaScript, um, uh, firewalls using, uh, Unicode characters that got adapted in weird ways. And, you know, coming into that challenge, I knew absolutely nothing about any of that. And then, you know, towards the middle, you start to realize, and you find the black hat talk that this has kind of inspired this thing. And all of a sudden you're throwing snowmen and all this other stuff into your URLs and seeing crazy <laughs> stuff happen that you'd never thought of.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, I think the the key thing is what do you want the competitors to, to take away? Do you want them to learn the concept? around which uh, and, and Adam, I mean, we'll talk mm-hmm. about your challenges in the future as well. Sure. But, um, you know, I, I feel like you tend to to move to that. You want the competitors to take away some uh, computing aspect, like some aspect of computing in general rather than cybersecurity specifically, but with, of course, cybersecurity implications. Um, and whereas the this other style is you want the competitor specifically to focus on the cybersecurity um, aspect. Right. Uh, I think both uh, of these styles have um, their, their space. Um, they're both super interesting uh, in terms of, of the different way they force people to learn.
0: And nothing's perfect. I think that's the other thing, right? <laughs> there's always trade-offs. Like, I don't think you can design a perfect CTF challenge, right? Um, there's also, we won't you know get into it now, but there's also the notion of, well, what about exploiting end days, right? That can actually be kind of fun to write an exploit for a production, you know, Chrome, if you take of, of, a known vulnerable version and spin that up. And that's the challenge that definitely exercises security skills, right? It's just, maybe it's different skills or maybe it's, uh, you know, different kinds of, of things. So yeah, there's the, the design space of CTF challenges is, is vast and super interesting. Um, cool. Okay. So then back to node. So, okay. So we have this website, we're going to this website, uh, what did the teams have access to? So maybe we can help walk through it a little bit from the player's perspectives.
2: Yeah, so the teams had access to the full source code of the of the web application, so they, they could see basically the Node.js uh, code that was running on uh, on a web server, um, and they could poke this uh, service uh, from uh, from the outside, right? So they could initiate basically a request and, and start interacting with the web application, but they had access to the to the source code itself, so they could go through it and see basically, oh, it's accepting all of these different. Uh, Paths, for example, mm-hmm. in the in, in the Express uh, web framework.
0: Yeah, great. And that's, I think, a, a good thing to always keep in mind. And I think, I don't know if, and maybe at some point we can get uh, Orange from HitCon on here. That's kind of the <laughs> first time during the HitCon CTF uh, Quals challenges that I've seen where. You go to a, a website, and up to that point, all web challenges were basically black box. You're trying to poke it and see what you can do, and so you have this list in your head of all the things you're going to try. And that was the first time I saw a link to, like, view the source. And you view the source, and you're like, huh, I understand every line of this, and I still don't know how to exploit this. <laughs> so so there's something I'm missing, right? Or, yeah. or another way of often uh, maybe CTFs will have the first step of exploitation on web is usually like a local file inclusion or a local file read vulnerability that you can use to then extract the source and then go further and further. So, yeah, I think that's important to always think about both as a player and as an organizer is, like you said, Alex, is, okay, what information am I giving the players, right? So in this case, in Node, they had the source. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so can you talk about what kind of that source looked like a little bit from...
2: It was uh, basically a default installation of the Express uh, Web Framework, uh, which was actually... Small? Uh, it, it, that's a super interesting thing, and what's actually—it's one of the two inspirations that I had for this challenge—was that, you know, if you if you if you initiate a new project, and this is this is how you build Express uh, web applications, right? If you go and you just initiate with the default tools and the default configurations um, uh, an Express uh, web application, you get a gazillion amount of dependencies installed. If I remember correct, the number it was in the order of two hundred and thirty something. Uh, different uh, Node Node.js modules that were installed in the local uh, directory in order for Express to be able to just load and, and and you know you know have a website basically up and running that does hello world.
0: And if I right. remember correctly, so I, I definitely know that this is kind of on the cutting edge of research, right? There's research that have looked at cutting edge kind of this this exact problem that you're talking about of this. In some sense, dependency hell of Node.js yeah. ecosystem, right? Where you include a package, it includes five packages, each of them includes five packages, and all of a sudden, like you said, to get a Hello World web server going, you have two hundred and thirty packages installed. And I think if exactly, I remember correctly, yeah. you actually have research in this process Yeah, we have a right?
2: paper published at RAID this year that is all about uh, reduction of, of, of dependencies in Node.js. So we build a system called Mini Node that we we basically uh, Mini-node, examine Tiny, tiny Node. Tiny node, yeah. (laughs) We examine um, how many dependencies it has, and we do some static analysis in the code, and we say basically, hey, all of these dependencies, um, uh, they're not needed. We can just uh, remove them. And actually, one of the cool things about that project is that a lot of these dependencies eliminate the whole classes of access, right? So you can basically say, this application doesn't have any file system access, right? You can just remove the file system module from node and make it inaccessible so that you basically protect the application from uh, having an injection later and, and you know reading a flag,
0: and you can even see things like npm that that do this that keep you know track of vulnerable yeah. versions of software, and you can run them on your node bundle or I can't remember if it's a bundle or whatever your node thingy is, yeah. and it will tell you that hey you should update these because these are known vulnerables. So...
1: GitHub emails you automatically about this now.
0: Yes, the Dependabot yeah. bugs me about old uh, 2017 <laughs> uh, CTF challenges. Yeah.
2: So, node actually has a vulnerable. One of the dependencies uh, that I, I, I manually put there uh, was a vulnerable dependency that had a, a, a pollution uh, uh, vulnerability, um, prototype, prototype pollution. pollution. Yeah, prototype pollution vulnerability uh, that happened a few days before the competition started, and I saw it on uh, on the vulnerability reports, and I said like, ah, oh, that's an excellent. Uh, uh, additional dependency that as we put there for for them to have and take a look at, and it's public information, so I think that's that's also pretty cool that you can basically take a look and see that uh, uh, you know there are dependencies that you have uh, and when you have two hundred and thirty dependencies, some of these are going to be vulnerable, um, and the probability is pretty high. Right.
0: Cool. Okay. So that was your first. So you you mentioned I think inspiration is actually a a great thing to talk about with CTF challenges, right? Because. Yeah. They, they don't, you know, despite our how it seems, we don't just go, oh, yeah, here's the CTF <laughs> challenge. Let me just sit down and write it, right? We need actually some inspiration, like Jan said, about either the vulnerability or the, the style of challenge, right? So you had one inspiration that was about this kind of dependency explosion, let's say, in Node.js. So what was the second one? Or some
2: other yeah. Ones. So, so first, both mini node and installing Express by myself is, is a good inspiration, right? Of, of observing how dependencies work uh, in, in in the ecosystem. Um, the second one was actually, you know, how. Uh, in the past, I've done also no GSL, uh challenges for for mm-hmm. Defcon cdf and they 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 backfired a lot because they're pretty hard to contain. um So this prototype pollution that you infect basically some variable, um, and and then this 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 uh, uh, infected variable basically propagates and, and remains in the JavaScript namespace and and can mess up with things. Uh, have beaten us in the, in the ass in the past, and and it would make it.
1: Why don't we take a detour and actually talk about that? Because I think it's a super interesting tidbit of DevCon yeah. CTF twenty six. Um, yeah, that it turned was two into years a ago, really right? interesting uh, playground for the players.
2: Right? Do, yeah. you, do you want to m- mention the? Maybe we should do another episode of, of that. Uh, All right, good. Particular... I like this.
0: We'll we'll save that. Yeah. Look for a future episode it's where we look back for, to for the future... past. <laughs> but at the short version is, you had insane things happening in that challenge uh, yeah. where. To the point where teams were, if I remember correctly, that was the challenge that allowed a team to pop up a pop-up and a new window in people's... Oh, no, no. that's what they did. So they'd wait until the focus was lost on that tab, and then they would change the window location to a URL where they stood up something that looked like our interface, our team interface for the teams, but slightly different because it had one additional challenge that they had created that a fake challenge that they had the bi- a binary in there that gave them a reverse shell on people's machines. So basically like, tricking people with this complex chain into executing this uh, this Trojan horse on their own devices. And, like, yeah, that's one of those things you hear about. You're like, well, that's pretty pro-level stuff. I don't know if it actually worked, but, man, that is impressive.
1: And there, there were some teams that came up to us um, and said, hey, we saw the new challenge, but uh, the fort is isn't live.
0: What <laughs> like what are you talking about which as another thing maybe we should talk about we actually had a place where teams were able to leak the, the names accidentally so that nice. had happened earlier that CTF so we were a little freaked out but uh oh. okay yeah so web challenges very difficult especially if the web challenge allows arbitrary code execution on the server plus depending on how the style of the architecture of how things are set up if mm-hmm. all the teams are hitting the same instance for a team Right, then they can do crazy things of overriding or you can have it be a scenario where only the first team through is able to do it because they patch out the vulnerability for everyone else after them. So right. it creates this crazy you know, situation.
1: Isolation yeah. is important. In so Isolation
2: we, incredibly important.
1: For, for a, a challenge that, that is approachable for everybody.
2: Right. Yeah, so I think that this year, the fact that we run different instances for every team made my life easier because I knew that even if If uh, somebody manages to mess up with uh, Node.js namespace and basically uh, patch or crash or make it impossible for other teams to to attack that particular instance, it was an isolated instance and every team had their own instances to attack. Uh, So we knew that the game was fair for everybody. So that, you know, CTF organization design choice, that was there for 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 the team was actually such a huge advantage for some of these uh, challenges, and it allows you to cre- to be more creative, right? So you can do more crazy stuff with your challenge because now you you have less things to worry about. Exactly.
0: So yeah, that's something that we did uh, in DefCon 28 was, and um, we wrote about this on the kind of write up overview on dot Overflow.io. You can see that we talked about this team team interface for the first time, our team team instances. So which meant that so if we have the three teams here, Adam, Alex and Jan, if Adam and Jan are both attacking Alex's web service to the teams, it all looks like they're attacking the same IP address and port. But due to some complex, cool magic that our awesome infrastructure people help set up, we actually are each talking to individual distinct different backend nodes. So that no matter what Jan does, if Jan DOSes uh, Alex's service and takes it down, it only affects Jan. I can still access it 100% without anybody else's changes or things messing up.
1: Yeah, luckily, in, in our scenario, I don't know what I'm doing on the web, so uh, it's not as important. But um, yeah, in general, it, it, it was a game changer.
0: That's right? even worse. Um, if you don't know what you're doing, that means that you're more likely to cause a problem.
1: So just as a uh, an example of me not knowing what I'm doing on the web, one time uh, a friend of mine that, that is now on, a friend of ours that is now on O as well, and me spent, I think, 24 hours straight on a web 150 um, challenge, and we almost solved. <laughs> it. We were very close.
0: Almost. Almost. Awesome. And I'll, I'll mention briefly the other thing that's super interesting about uh Prototype parameter pollution. So there was actually what just happened was Google CTF. There was a challenge called uh, All the Small Things that they had that had a number of various steps. Um, I believe it was that challenge. Uh, yes, that's the one. So the basic idea was they had actually a JavaScript class. This is the first time I've ever seen classes in JavaScript, but they had, you can have private variables in a Java class or in a JavaScript class, which I also didn't know you could do, but it turned out because you could, they, they uh, deserialized an object from uh, from the user and then did object.assign from that object to the user object you could overwrite the prototype to then overwrite those private parameters even though object assign wouldn't allow you to overwrite those things so and it turns out that was an unintended solution and approach to this challenge so yeah <laughs> nice. prototype uh, pollution I think is a Definitely an up-and-coming, let's say, CTF topic area for the web. So that that's where the challenge was based around. So then, what was the goal of the teams? What did you kind of wanted them to drive towards?
2: Yeah, that was it, uh, another interesting part that I wanted to do was was try to make it very difficult for them to patch the vulnerability and and have this interaction between the teams where they patch something out uh, and another team manages to bypass uh, the defense mechanism. Right. So, um... which is if I can i can say real yeah. quick this is
0: something that's super important for attack defense uh CTF, right. right for yeah. jeopardy what, you don't even have game, to th- right? worry about patching right you may just have the one path that you want them to go down but here the whole goal of your challenge was to have it so that there was a cat and mouse game and a, an a attack and defense between the teams really kind of getting to the attack defense heart of things
2: yeah because it's important for them to play the game right like not just like you know, exploit it once, patch it once, and then be done with it. That's 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 you know, in some challenges, that's the only thing that you can do. Uh, but in uh, in this particular challenge, I tried really hard to make it more interesting in the in, in a sense of of it should be there should be new ways that they could discover that they could be exploiting the challenge that they didn't think about before. Uh, and it actually happened very well in the end during the game.
0: Yeah, and this is something that you you obviously can't predict. Necessarily in advance, but this is something that Jan uh, frequently talks about about rewarding players for investing time in a challenge, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, so, as, as you guys have mentioned, right, uh, in a Jeopardy challenge, um, you go and you, you you download the challenge, you solve it, and you're done. You move on. There might be additional versions of that challenge released for multi-step challenges, and and, and you know you might benefit from the knowledge. But but you're kind of done with that challenge in a good attack defense challenge what I really enjoy seeing is this interaction from uh, between hackers um a very good example um that 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 i i feel as a is a kind of a formative formative c t f um event for me was uh, shortly after the Cyber Grand Challenge, the concept of open patching was introduced, or with the Cyber Grand Challenge. But then it was adopted throughout. So you would.
0: So which means that all teams can see all patches of all of the exactly. teams, right?
1: And and this um, concept opened up a whole possibility of hackers to directly go like into combat with each other. There was a one CTF where. Um, I was uh, trying to figure out a patch for, for a service that was actually very hard to patch. The vulnerability was super subtle and super powerful um, in a way that that patching it was extremely difficult without impacting the functionality of that service. Um, and so I, I came up with a very uh, kind of cheesy patch, which would just uh, change up some offsets so that vulnerability, the vulnerability was still there, but exploitation would fail. In a traditional attack defense, this was often enough right? It was very hard to actually bypass that blindly. Um, but because patching was open, I created this patch. And then uh, maybe 1015 minutes later, I see attacks coming in that that are bypassing it. So then I modified that patch, I make it slightly stronger. And then uh, whoever was bypassing my patch, my, my my actual like, specifically my patch was bypassing it again, and we kept going for hours. Um, and, and this was I felt a super interesting interaction actually um, uh, in the CTF after party that year that was at DefCon in in 2016. Um, I actually uh, found the 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 person 24? that was directly. 24. Huh? 24. Yeah, I think, yeah, DefCon 24. Um, I found the person that w- that was competing with me directly. It was um, uh, this amazing feeling of of hacker versus hacker competition and. Um, with the this rich set of uh, not necessarily multiple, it can be multiple vulnerabilities, but it can also be one vulnerability that, that leads to a rich set of exploitation scenarios and exploitation space um, that we saw, for example, in Node. Uh, it, it's the optimal scenario for me for, of CTF where it's really the skill of the different hackers against each other.
0: A chump pass versus really good hacker, right? Exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Cool. So, Alex, did you see any of this behavior during the game? So, actually, or maybe you can frame this more around when did the challenge launch in the craziness that was DEFCON
2: twenty eight CTF? So we launched it on the last uh, day of uh, of the competition. So eight hours to go, roughly. Eight hours before the the end of the competition, um, and. It was exploited. I think, if I remember correctly, it was exploited pretty fast. Like the first exploit was within the hour. I think within one within the first hour or one hour and fifteen minutes or something like that, somebody already got a flag mm-hmm. from from the challenge. Um, but but the interesting thing is that so let me let's talk a little bit about the the vulnerability too, right? So basically, sure. yeah. through the web application. Um, you, you could validate the server side configuration and, and there were some default uh, libraries, uh, which are NPM modules uh, that you could uh, use to, to validate the configuration, which is in JSON, uh, but you could also specify your own uh, module, right? So the restriction there is that the module needs to be installed in, in, the, in, in the dependencies of the, of the web application but as we said, you know, Express already installs their 230 different dependencies, so you have plenty of of choices uh, to pick from. I also injected some just to lead them on uh, that hey, there's a there's a vulnerable dependency here, like mm-hmm. a, you know, out in the blind, you know, completely um, uh, vulnerable dependency that you can load and and use prototype pollution to exploit the vulnerability. Um, I also put some some another hint in the code so that you know after the request it will clean up the object um and it will uh basically uh uh you know if you if you do prototype pollution on the on the you know uh, parent object of, of of the javascript namespace it will clean it up so that we make sure that nothing gets uh, too crazy there um but uh there were other dependencies there that you could be you could, you could be using to 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 exploit the vulnerability so we saw pretty fast uh, the obvious ones mm-hmm. and, and a lot of teams pick, picked it up and started using uh, the different uh, modules uh, and the different basically validations in order to uh, load a module and somehow come up uh, with a method to read the flag and and leak it out basically right um but uh and that happens pretty happened pretty fast so i was observing the patches during the game and i was uh, looking at uh how people that uh, exploited uh some of these vulnerabilities um uh patched it and you could see the obvious uh cases there but as the competition went on um people started you know exploiting patched services Oh, uh, and every time I think one thing on, on on that note that we did in a very interesting way
1: was initially that service was fully patchable, right? You could create, you could spot the 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 injection point and create a very um, a patch that that fixed everything. Once every right. team figured it out, or every team that was playing seriously figured it out, then we released an update that made that uh, yeah. no longer be the case, right? And that's when right. this cat and mouse game started
2: so so yeah in the beginning they could they could pass it out uh completely uh and then during the competition we basically uh improved not we didn't change anything in the code we just improved how uh when you patch we test things out and basically what the thing that we changed is that we made more complicated validators uh so that you you cannot just disable the whole validation uh functionality of the web application it needs to be there we're testing something with the validator um, uh, but you know, you have to basically come up with a way to block all the uh, exploitable um, cases of, uh, of, of, of of the validation. So um, basically, uh, this became a, a very nice game between the teams that they uh, they started uh, basically uh, improving their their exploits and improving their defenses, uh, submitting patches that uh, blacklisted some additional. Uh, modules they submitted patches that they they would try to basically see you know the generic things if if uh in the HTTP request there's the name flag for example they would drop the drop the request and not serve it and 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 uh, you know some some you know heuristics basically to to defend against uh leaving out the flag um so that, that was almost like the...
0: trying to create a firewall to block things off right but as we know, that's kind of the interesting thing about this is firewalls are not perfect. And so like like Jan said, a a clever hacker can figure out different ways to route around that. And that's actually where you get really interesting interactions and behavior here.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, the other cool thing about the, uh, should we talk about the fact that uh, in this year, we introduced the uh, a way for for doing stealthy uh, yeah submissions because um, that played a huge role in, in node right
0: yeah so basically the the high level idea is that teams could choose if they wanted to send traffic to a team stealthily which means the team the that was re- receiving the traffic would never see the pcaps associated with that request or they could do it normal where they would get pcaps roughly three minutes later but if you chose stealthy ports then for that service and that team, if you stole a flag, you would get um, half points for that.
1: I, I was monitoring that that stealth traffic um, during that game. And um, Alex, I don't know, do you want to talk about it? Do you want me to-, to, to uh, Go ahead, yeah, go ahead, yeah. It, it was uh, pretty incredible. I think what what was happening was teams were monitoring the network and understanding which other teams had found which vulnerabilities and were actually launching attacks stealth or not stealth specifically depending on that we saw um one team specifically uh, uh tokyo westerns and you can look at this in the in the um the, the, the o- overflow.io we website we have exactly. stealth table um and they had this incredible like a strategy where over time they change who they're attacking stealthily who they're not attacking stealthily uh and so forth um which was very cool and and it changed over time and this was uh, probably the, the challenge where that was exhibited the most um,
2: yeah so i think i think that's pretty cool because also like the uh, everything is completely visible right in a, in a web application like that you can see all the requests coming in and uh, going out so if you're if you observe the traffic the traffic it's it's very simple it's it's plain text right so it's very simple to understand what they're trying to attack and immediately blacklist for example the dependency that they're using uh, in order to trigger the exploitation, right? So if you if you have the visibility uh, and you can see the attack coming in, but if you don't, then that's incredibly hard to guess what kind of dependency they're using and blacklist it through that. So we had one team actually, which
0: I was going to say, then that actually uh, gives like incentivizes a team to invest more time in this because the more things they find and block and patch, the better their defenses are.
2: Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So, and we had, I think, one team that was uh, heavily relying on that. And, and, uh, you know, throughout the whole game, pretty much, they, uh, not all of the teams managed to block them. uh, And they, 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 they did pretty well.
1: Tokyo Westerns that was exploiting over half the teams until the very end.
0: Yeah, that was Great. a service that we thought was kind of at a steady state, and then things just kind of went yeah, crazy as incredible. teams. You could actually see them find workarounds yeah. and those kinds of things, and we could see it in the flag captures.
1: Um, guys, yeah. I hate to uh, do this, but I have to go teach. Um, I have one question I'll leave you with. That you Perfect. Yeah, we'll, then...
0: we'll finish up for here.
1: Would Mini Node have protected this service? It would have,
2: actually. It would have uh, eliminated well, all the, the unused dependencies, so... Uh since all of the dependencies, like the injected dependency that I added that was vulnerable was not actually uh, actively used by the application, you could just delete it and then you wouldn't be able to load it. So Minidote would have been successful in defending uh, this uh, Node.js challenge.
1: There cool. you go. All all
2: right. Awesome.
1: Um, well, thanks, Jan. I'll leave. See you, it guys. I will see you, I'll see you later.
2: Awesome. Bye-bye.
0: Cool. So I think the the last thing, because we've covered a lot of areas, I think the thing I'm, I'm really interested in now, because I, one of the goals that we have with this podcast is we want to be able to kind of use this as a repository to help learn from each other about mm-hmm. things that, you know, we could talk about things that we tried and things that we did. So uh, maybe if you could talk a little bit about what you learned from this challenge and what are maybe some takeaways that, you know, could help other challenge organizers or challenge authors?
2: Yes, I, I think the uh, I, I consider at least this, this challenge to be one of the, the best challenges that I've uh, designed so far. And I think the 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 reason for that, and that's very difficult to, to achieve usually, and I, I have failed multiple times, right? It's not that, I think we all could, have. That's yeah. the
0: first thing we'll all admit is, you know, sometimes you have an awesome idea for a challenge and it falls on its face. Yeah.
2: So the, the incredibly difficult thing was was how do you make a web security challenge that the vulnerability is kind of obvious, but it's really hard to exploit in patch right so I think that was the big uh, the big thing the big thing here that you knew really fast that hey the vulnerability like the application is not complicated at all right It had right. like you know five files in total or something that and, and, you know the paths that are complicated are very obvious and you can see the vulnerability immediately. but even after you exploit it, it it can be really really difficult to patch it out. So I think that that was the the, the interesting spin uh, that I managed to give in this in this uh, year's uh, attack defense competition.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, so that that actually goes into philosophy kind of on t- attack defense challenges, right? There's yeah. always this kind of trade off between do you do one really interesting bug that's hard to reach and maybe difficult to patch. Um, do you, because that could be very interesting. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, do you have several different vulnerabilities where the first couple are very easy to identify and easy to patch? And then, you know, you expect as teams get further and further into the challenge, they start patching things. Or like you said, you have a clear vulnerability that is difficult to exploit and difficult to to patch, but it's in, by design almost impa- impossible to patch 100% correctly, and so the teams can find workarounds and you get this uh, attack defense behavior there.
2: Yeah, and, and, and the high-level advice that I want to give to, to everybody yep. is that it should be, in general, like, a good CDF challenge should have a clear goal, right? So once you you you, you have a player working on the challenge, this should be, I mean, from my perspective, it makes the yep. game more fun if, they, if there are no ways that you distract the player too much right? right you know it could be the case that it's complicated and they have to reverse engineer a lot of things but you don't throw for example uh you know an xss vulnerability into the web uh, security challenge just to throw them off right or or you know there's no admin visiting the page but there's an xss vulnerability there right. like people are going to try they're going to fail and they're going to be upset right and and it's not fun for everybody to exploit something to find a vulnerability exploit it and realize that oh that's not the intended uh vulnerability from the from the ctf uh, challenge author we have to find a different way to win the flag right that's that's not fun for anybody so i think that you know making trying try to make the the challenge in a way that is focused towards the vulnerability and make sure that there are no other distractions that will uh, basically take away time from, from, from the players uh, is, is a great way to start a web security job.
0: And that's super difficult though. That's kind of the thing is (laughs) is you may accidentally have included you know, an XSS on a page that you didn't really intend. And uh, yeah. So that, that part is uh, really important, really difficult, you know, in a, yeah. And that's just one of those things that's, you know, you, you get better and better at over time, but still you can't, You can't always, another way this comes up is binary challenges. You may accidentally have a crash that is beautiful, but that you never thought, but that doesn't allow them to exploit, but it's not what you, it's not on your intended path. um, But to tell them they're on the wrong path would probably be not fair, (laughs) right? right? Because you don't tell everyone when they're stuck. And I think the other thing that you brought up that's really important, especially in web challenges, can be you know, reproducibility on their side, right? Mm-hmm. So the sometimes that is the point of the challenge. And I know Jan has great challenges that he did for DEFCON 26 quals, which the point was, I think you had a random libc that was used. So you had to figure out the vulnerability was very trivial, but the idea was what techniques can you use to probe something blind, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a challenge that's designed around that. But on the flip side, if you're dealing with because you happen to use a headless Chrome puppeteer, but you didn't enable certain options. So, you know, in my browser, it works just fine. And XSS is me great. But on your system, it doesn't. And so, you know, I think that's something to always keep in mind of how much information can we give the players? You know, if we're already giving them source. What about giving them the whole thing? There's the whole Docker file, whole container, like similar, like you had with node, right? Here's all the source code. You can run everything locally, test everything locally. And so that that way you can reproduce things. I think that's an important thing that I've been guilty of. You often overlook when you're kind of in the crunch of developing these things. But we all have been there. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good thing for organizers to keep in mind and, and challenge authors. Yeah. Cool. Anything else you want to, you know, leave us with thoughts on your Defcon 28 CTF final experience or
2: No, I think I mean we, we covered a lot of uh, a lot of stuff. I think uh, you know as a as a CTF uh, challenge author, you need also to be participating in in as many CTFs as you can so that you see what other people are doing mm-hmm. and 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 you know, be frustrated with things that you have to put on your list. That hey, I should never do right. prototype pollution without uh, you know having different instances for every team and stuff right. like that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so um, I think it's 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 important to try to, to 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 always try to be in the position of 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 the CTF players. Try to make this uh, a, an enjoyable game that is uh, educational uh, and it's fun for everybody. Pretty much, cool. Well, thank you. Awesome.
0: Uh, yeah, Alex, thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate it. So, um, absolutely, yeah. thank
2: you so much and, for having me. And
0: and all you out there, uh, thanks for joining us today. I'm Adam D. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Dupay. Uh, Alex, where can they find you? Uh,
2: they can find me at Capravel uh, on Twitter.
0: At Cabravel and uh, um, Alex is currently a professor at NC State. So if you're interested in doing cool cybersecurity stuff in that
2: area. We have internship positions. You can come and visit uh, for a few months and uh, work on a research uh, project together. And maybe play CTFs. Uh, Definitely.
0: Cool. So on behalf of Jan, he's uh, Zardis. You can find him on Twitter at Zardis. We're CTF Radio. You can find us online on YouTube and on Twitter at CTF Radio with three lowercase o's. Uh, You can send us questions through email, uh, ctfradio at uh, gmail.com, ctfradio with three lowercase o's, and who knows, uh, your questions may end up on a future episode of CTF Radio. So take care and happy hacking, everyone.
2: Bye, everyone.